This week, you wanted to go dancing, so we watched Ready Player One. This is Body Counts and Beer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosenthal. I'm Patrick Bromley. And I'm username cool guy McAwesome face pants. Uh DD reference. You know how the rest goes. I'm Jonathan Rooney Taylor, and I cannot express how angry I am at you specifically, Mark, for suggesting <laughs> we do this movie. But we're uh, we well, gonna John, have like, I'm... commodified 80s either way. Yes, and also, John, I'd like to say I'm angry at you because you've been asking to do this movie for months now. (laughs) I've merely given into... I've merely given into your demands. Uh, if you recall the text chain, I said, hey, Wonder Woman 84, pretty okay movie. And you said, yeah, agreed. We should do that for the podcast. And then suddenly you're like, no, I need to yell at a movie. And now here we are. That was the most... Okay, fine. Whatever. Anyways, this week we are discussing the uh, two and a half hours of, hey, remember this? The movie Ready Player One. Ooh, buddy. There's Bigfoot uh, and old school Doritos bags. Everything you could ask for. I love that it's the movie that is brave enough to ask the question... Hey, are we maybe too enveloped in our own nostalgia that it is paralyzing us, that it is rotting our society, that it is preventing us from making real and genuine human connections? And then the answer is, well, Funko Pops are pretty rad, though, right? (laughs) The movie movie likes to ask a lot of questions about stuff like that and then refuses to answer them (laughs) in any way. I think Steven Spielberg had a much more like venomous take on this material in mind. And we'll get to specific points in the movie where I think he is like absolutely very much like these characters suck. This idea is bad. What? Well, John, what are you even doing? As I texted you while you were watching the movie, I think Steven Spielberg liked the basic concept of the book, but hated the book. Yeah. Um, So we'll get into that. So Ready Player One uh, begins with Needle Drop. Bip. Boy, it sure does. Uh, But the title that comes up on the screen is not a year that takes place in the 1980s. It's 2046? What? How yeah, that's not when Van Halen wrote Jump at all. Also, no. when are they uh, going to open a movie with Hot for Teacher? That's my question. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I think Bad I Santa mean, opens, weirdly enough, with Hot for Teacher. <laughs> you know, I've only seen like the back three quarters of that movie. It was just on after I ate Christmas dinner somewhere, so I it's wouldn't a, know. It's a pretty Fair. okay impression not, of a Coen Brothers movie. Okay. Ooh. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Terry's wig off doing his impression of a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, tough. <laughs> it's the best way. Um, so, Ruddy Player One begins with the Van Halen song, Jump, and our hero, Wade Watts. Which I don't believe by... he jumps during the entirety of this movie. There's one no. very important leap, but that's more of him, like, falling. Yeah, well, John, he spends most of his time hooked up into a computer. He has no muscle mass. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Uh, and that 
He's played by uh, Ty Sheridan, who you might know as Cyclops from the new X-Men movies. I uh, don't know him from those. And I won't. <laughs> that's do you think, also fair. Do you think his entire audition was, I look pretty okay with a weird visor on my face? I think that's 100%. It's like his version of Tom Cruise looking cool running or Brad Pitt looking cool eating food where he's like, I look pretty all right with a head visor. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. Ty Sheridan had the only shaped head in Hollywood that could feasibly wear the goggles. No, he just had the only shaped head in Hollywood. You were right. Yeah. (laughs) Every other head in Hollywood is just an amorphous flicker that your consciousness fills in. Uh, so it begins, we are in Columbus, Ohio, the year 2045. In the um, stacks. Yes, the stacks, which are uh, basically uh, it's a trailer, a trailer park, park that's multi-level. but they're stacked up on top of each other. Yeah. It's basically Columbus's version of the Brazilian favelas. <laughs> oh, see, I was going to say it was the uh, white trash version of New Jack City. Oh, yeah. I, that's Solid. also an accurate assessment. Guys, save uh, the references, because and- it's going to come hot and heavy here in a few minutes. <laughs> that's true. I do love that the movie Wade, uh, we get to see his daily routine of leaving his room just so that he can have the pleasure of going back into his room. No, he leaves his room to go to a a hollowed out van where he has his rig set up. Yeah, I wasn't sure about what, how property in the stacks actually works. Clearly he lives with his aunt. The movie doesn't know either, so don't worry about it. Uh, Fucking uh, Stanley Kowalski comes in and says, we got a Napoleonic law. That means Napoleon owns all your stuff. (laughs) Stella! I mean, I would definitely not. Pay pay me to write Ready Player 3. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to uh, get all the two stuff done. <laughs> so we, we know that uh, in the future here, things don't look great. but that, And a lot of that is due to the Oasis. Oh, buddy. Which is a... Real quick, a ver- before we before we get into the introduction of the Oasis, I wrote this before down. Before we get into the beginning of the movie? <laughs> I wrote this down. This is in the movie. Uh, the, the rich and deep backstory of how we've arrived at this point in human history is hand-waved as, and I quote... The corn syrup, the corn syrup shortage, and the <laughs> bandwidth riots. Yep. Which made oh. me immediately pause the movie, take my headphones out, get up and leave my room, come back and say, okay. <laughs> now, John, I, let me ask you a this. A bunch of times during this film, sorry to cut you off, but I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be like a real serious slapstick comedy. Uh, yeah, it seems to operate in, like, Terry Gilliam's version of Brazil, but then also, like, Children of Men. <laughs> yes. John, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you are, you, you don't like the idea of the bandwidth riots, correct? I don't believe that those two specific events would lead to the future that is posited bravely by this movie, especially when there's, like already climate change and like a second wave of fascism just like in our real world right now that could easily lead to a dystopia sure i just wanted to point out that we were all fans of the franchise wars from demolition man <laughs> because and band was... with riots is, is kind of along the same line no I, i'll disagree because the the franchise wars was a stupid answer to a stupid question Whereas the bandwidth riot is a very like, 
wouldn't it suck if you couldn't eat soda or get online? Yeah, we'd probably riot if we couldn't do that. True facts. Also, well, the franchise John, Wars let, is in, in a stupid movie whose moral is don't freeze psychopaths for use later. Whereas this is in a movie that sometimes wants to tell you something about going outside, I think. <laughs> only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But only on Correct. Tuesdays and Thursdays, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we, 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 we are introduced to the Oasis, which is a virtual reality uh, immersive game, I guess. This is where or, we got our world. second different needle drop 80s music cue. Yeah. Yes. It's really uh, like which, the uh, Is this one everyone Futurama. wants to rule the world? I don't remember exactly which this no. one was. I tried bravely to start like keeping track of the songs that were played, and then I threw my phone across the room. You know the the let me say this about the the soundtrack to this movie. Uh, it is uh, if this collection of songs were played at like a bar or a party, yeah. I'd be like, hey, cool, fun 80s music. But in the context of the film, it's all the most obvious choices you could have possibly made without, like, digging beyond, like, yeah, like you said, an I Love the 80s episode from VH1. Yeah, and I mean, like... A decade ago. In- I can hear I can hear Hal Sparks, like, goofing on Huey Lewis oh, yeah. the minute the song begins. Yeah, Mike and e- <laughs> Michael Ian Black is holding a Rubik's Cube just saying, ah, this fucking thing. Ugh. Uh, so yes, it's the the music choices are infuriating, mostly because of all the songs that they could have used, chose not to. Here is the list: "Love Plus One" by Haircut One Hundred, "Poison Arrow" by ABC, "Get Out of My Dreams" and "Into My Car" by Billy Ocean. I can go on and on. "In a Big Country" by Big Country, "The Safety Dance" by Men Without Hats. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of things they could have done. There's no no Oingo Boingo in the entire movie? What kind of movie is this? I was going to say, you would think like a fucking like piece of nerd catnip like this would throw in one Danny Elfman song. <laughs> right? But that's the thing about this whole movie is everything is the most surface level obvious. Like we'll get to it later when they're trying to like impress each other with their like super deep knowledge and super obscure taste. And it's just like fucking everybody plays odd job golden eye no slappers like right what the ah, fuck? but he plays john it's very important to remember he plays odd job slappers, oh, slappers only. only yeah yeah that's like, right come on which makes halliday an asshole in yeah <laughs> oh that makes we'll him a get giant into that. asshole halliday is a fucking piece of shit hey man he's uh, short-haired brent spiner from independence day so uh we keep mentioning this holiday and this independence day whatever that is a movie i've never heard of uh uh, who is this guy and what's his deal so james halliday is the inventor of the oasis again an immersive virtual reality uh universe basically game where you can go in and escape the drudgery of real life and do the movie tells you literally anything you can uh, ski down the pyramid absolutely climb mount everest you can only I, do what was designed and programmed into the Oasis, you <laughs> fucking idiots. But I love that he's like, you can ski down the pyramids, you can play golf, you can climb Everest with Batman. <laughs> yeah. And like Batman, you know, one of the biggest cultural touchstones of the 20th and 21st century is relegated to dangling off a cliff with a couple of goons. Yeah. 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 But they had so many other references to make. They can't just give yeah. a great deal of time. Well, we yeah, it's not like they could 30... camp out on one single movie for a huge chunk of the middle of this film for absolutely no reason. Especially well, John... a movie from the 70s. <laughs> 
Which John. is the part I really didn't understand. <laughs> guys, 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 yeah. we needed to spend at least 30 minutes of the runtime saying the word Gunter over and over. You oh, know, yeah. it's like Gunter. that. Uh, it, it's uh, immersive therapy. The more you hear it, the less likely you are to say that fucking stupid ass word later in the movie <laughs> when they have to say it very seriously. Oh, the Gunters my God. Are getting to the it egg. sounds so so fucking gross and this is probably a good yeah that's time. right i'm a gunter mm, right yeah. like i'm gutting all over here like to get mm, my word, gunt. the word itself look at my gun the word itself feels oily like like the abs of arnold schwarzenegger in an 80s action movie just real unpleasant no, no, to run your hand across that's the wrong kind of oil, John. We're talking about Ernest Klein in his mom's basement writing this book. Hey, who's this Ernst Klein that you suddenly dropped out of nowhere? I know he he's wrote the guy, it. He's the guy who wrote, uh, co-wrote the screenplay of the movie and the book that the movie is nominally based off oh, of. Oh, what is that? Yeah. Farewell to Arms? Uh, no, <laughs> it's, no, it's uh, How the West Was Won. Oh, all it's right, the, cool. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the sun also rises, actually. Yeah, classic. Uh, and the sun is actually the 7-Up cool spot. <laughs> oh, no. Bad. He'll make your pizza cold, I think. <laughs> That's the Hamburglar, John. Boy, so real quick tangent. Did you guys know that part of the McDonald's lore is that all the hamburgers go to Hamburger College? So every hamburger you're eating has a degree and crippling student debt? Yeah. That's correct. That's part of what also, makes them so tasty. <laughs> That's what makes them the so salty, thin. salty tears. Uh, also, uh, Grimace is a milkshake. That can't be right. I no, refuse no, to it live is. in this world. It absolutely is. When Grimace was first introduced, he was actually brown, but he looked like a giant. <laughs> shit. He looked like a giant shit, so they made him purple. You know, for all them grape milkshakes they're making. Yeah. Uh, they did a mm. real. Grape job with that character. Oh, uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and point out out of the way. Uh, I've read the book. I've also read the book. Yeah, I don't I, read books. That is the this way book, to go because sometimes they trick you by being Ready Player One. Yeah, <laughs> this book. It's the this principal book was reason I don't read books. <laughs> this book was recommended to me uh, by so many people. They're like, "You're gonna love this book. It's all like '80s stuff. You're gonna fucking." Oh dig yeah, it. no, my wife and got was... me a copy of it just on general internet buzz for like a birthday. Oh, and like she didn't know I her and I didn't know any better. And then I, of course, I threw it into the fire. <laughs> Mm. I was I was given the book by my sister who uh, got it for free from the bookstore she works at. It was being like sent back to the manufacturer or whatever. <laughs> you got to nice. peel off the UPC code. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I've never like I've never reacted so viscerally to a book I've hated. Yeah. Is the book, book I, also that loaded with like just oh it's even it's worse. it's worse it's worse because instead of just seeing ten seconds of like oh the Iron Giant in the background like that movie right. you like you have to read page after page of if you get the audio book it's Will Wheaton saying I watched Monty Python not just Holy Grail but also the TV show and uh. I also really like the James Bond movies Sean Connery was my favorite but. Uh, Pat, the, 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 <laughs> and every uh, single would... Easter egg or every single key that he finds in that, which we'll get to that in a minute, I guess. I would, I would like to read a passage from the book, uh, -oh. uh, Patrick, so you can get an idea of, of what is going on in this. This is, uh, <laughs> this is from the book 
Ready Player One. A New York Times best-selling author, Ernst mm-hmm. Klein. Here we go. <clears throat> I would argue that masturbation is the human animal's most important adaptation, the very cornerstone of our technological civilization. <laughs> our hands evolved to grip tools, all right, including our own. High five. You see... You see, thinkers, inventors, and scientists are usually geeks, and geeks have a harder time getting laid than anyone. Without the built-in sexual release valve provided by masturbation, it's doubtful that early humans would have ever mastered the secrets of fire or discovered the wheel. And you can bet that Galileo, Newton, and Einstein never would have made their discoveries if they hadn't first been able to clear their heads by slapping the salami or... Knocking a few protons off the old hydrogen atom. The same, the same, the same goes for Marie Curie. Before she discovered radium, you can be certain she first discovered the little man in the canoe. Whoa. That's an actual. That is an actual passage from the book <laughs> Ready Player One. That's terrifying. Yeah, and all of the action sequences in the book are. And then I got bored when I was stuck in my virtual school, so I went into a cave. But it wasn't a cave. It was a Dungeons and Dragons cave. And I found a Joust arcade machine. And then I started playing Joust. And at first I was losing Joust, but then I jousted even better than the Joust. And then I beat Joust. Anyway, that's how I got my first key. Ooh. well, that and here's another thing. So I'll get into it in just a second. So the movie sets up that Halliday builds the Oasis. He's the richest man in the world. He fucking dies. He bites it. And as he dies, he leaves behind this treasure hunt for an Easter egg. And the winner of the Easter egg uh, uh, will take control of the Oasis. And to get the Easter egg, you have to win three challenges. Now, the challenges in the book... And the challenges in the movie are completely different. As John says in the book, the first challenge is you have to go to the Tomb of Horrors. And then you skip over all the cool monsters you could be fighting because you have to play Joust against the Lich King. And then that only gets you through the first gate. And then that first gate takes you to the movie War Games where you have to say all of Matthew Broderick's lines correctly throughout the movie. Then you get your prize. (laughs) Good lord. So I'll give Steven I'll give I'll give Steven Spielberg credit for this. He was absolutely right by turning the first thing into what if we just did a big wacky race? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That and that's the thing is that this movie absolutely elevates the source material on every level, but it still doesn't get up to good. <laughs> oh no, it takes it from tragic to eh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh Oof. yeah, uh fucking we get the exposition after exposition after exposition. Uh, I would like to say that while we're in the real world, very briefly, everybody looks fucking stupid as hell with these VR rigs. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they're all it's played for comedy. They're all doing like goofy, silly things. And it's at this point where I felt like maybe the movie was priming me for the for the ending to be like, how about no more Oasis? Because it's right. clearly bad and kind of insidious, and we need to get rid of it if we are to, like, reconnect as a people and, like, rebuild our fallen society. Right. Well, Oasis in this movie is a lot like Death Clock and Metalocalypse in that it is now one of the largest economies <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Which, right. uh, and also causes lots of people to die. Because <laughs> we've, we've got the bad guys, the, uh, the IOIs. IOI. 
uh, yes. the Sixers, or as they're called in the book, the Sucksors, because they suck. <laughs> oh, nailed it. Uh, Let me do a shot of Mountain Dew. They're they're headed up by fucking Ben Mendelsohn, who rules the school because he is playing a character who is just as annoyed and fed up with the movie as we are. <laughs> he struck me as like uh, he was doing one of the like, like the principal from um, from Breakfast Club. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. He's like a he's like a cross between the principal from Breakfast Club and Ellis from Die Hard. Yeah. Yes. He's just like a sleazy businessman who wants to take control of the Oasis, which famously uh, in the world of the movie does not have uh, ads. And uh, it has ad restrictions because there are advertisements and you can buy things. There's like a fully functioning economy. Uh, But he wants to remove the ad restrictions so that he can put in advertisements, which like those aren't stakes to a movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also a scene where he talks about how they can they have their studies show they can uh, fill the user's uh, visible eyeline with 80 percent ads before they have seizures. Right. Yeah. Which like and everyone like applauds right. him. They're like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's the thing is this movie super goes out of its way to deflate any meaningful stakes whatsoever because even if the bad guy wins and he puts in all these advertisements and people don't like doing the advertisements they'll just stop using the oasis which as i previously pointed out would be very good i think the movie is predicated on the idea that we can't stop won't stop the oasis though (laughs) yeah i think you're right yeah I think it's it's like well, the, the fossil fuel industry. We know that yeah. it's yes. killing us, but we've come way too far. We can't give uh, it up. Yeah. So the the first uh, 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 challenge for the Halliday sweepstakes is this race that takes place through a uh, digital New York City, um, and this is like kind of like the big opening sequence of the movie. We meet uh, uh, our main character Wade Watts and his uh, avatar Parzival. Uh, and we meet Parzival and his friend H, uh, who is like a big like orc uh, dude. Who uh, later on we find out not a dude. What? <laughs> uh, we also get the immortal line: "Hey H, where are you? Oh hey Z, I'm getting my kill on," which yeah. is not something a person would say even on the internet. That is too <laughs> stupid for Leet speak, my friend. Yeah, part of yeah. me felt bad for part of me feels bad for for Lena Waithe for uh being in this movie, but then I remembered that Lena Waithe probably got paid a fuckload of money to do this movie, oh, correct. which enabled Lena Waithe to be able to do Lena Waithe things, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh but oh no, uh Z as his nickname is, uh doesn't have enough gas for the race, which doesn't seem to prevent him from participating in the race. He just has to go back a few pole positions or something? Correct. Well, because he doesn't have to go back a few pole positions. His plan is to let people crash in front of him and steal their coins when they zero out. Gotcha. Which is another thing that this movie goes out of its way to say, like, you can die in the Oasis and then immediately respawn. You just lose all your equipment and money. 
Yes. And all of your equipment uh, and, and money take may also be all of your equipment and money in real life. So, like, Correct. if you die in the Oasis, you may be forced into debt peonage, apparently? Um, I don't know. There was a scene of a guy getting killed in the Oasis and then immediately trying to jump out of a window. I was going to say, yes. yeah. Which, yes, like, yes. oh boy, movie, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. The Oasis is a stand-in for the uh, the Black Friday incident, or Black Monday incident, I should say. <laughs> oh, yeah, the stock Wall market Street crash. Wall Street in the 80s, yeah. yeah. Uh, fucking Steely so this, Dan did that whole song about it. Yeah. That's Black, yeah, that's Black Friday. Yeah, where they sung about all those cool sales happening at Macy's. Yes, yes. Uh, so anyways, the, this race happens. Uh, uh, H is driving uh, the monster truck Bigfoot, the fucking lesser monster truck should have been driving Gravedigger. Hell yeah. I never forgive this movie. But again, it's the most surface level. <laughs> it's exactly. true. Bigfoot if, was the if, popular one. Yeah, if he had Gravedigger, everybody in the audience would say, uh, excuse me, movie, I don't recognize that particular monster truck. We're going right. to have to back up. <laughs> Where's Bigfoot? Uh, meanwhile, our, our Z hero has Parkable. the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah. Because of course. Which, spoiler alert, will get wrecked later and will play tragic music as if your favorite character, as if Luke Skywalker (laughs) became one with the Force. Uh, John, just like the city of New York is a character in all of Woody Allen's movies, the DeLorean (laughs) is a character in this film. Um, What kills me is that during this race, we see that his DeLorean has the hover conversion from Back to the Future 2. Yeah. And he uses it a couple times. He never uses it again for the rest of the movie, including at the end when he could have just flown over the bad guys. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. But again, like the stakes are, oh no, he lost this asset that you can just buy another one because it's all bleeps and bloops and ones and zeros. True. Um, So anyways, they have this race. Uh, But who shows up? A very cool motorcycle shows up. It's yeah, from Akira. Cool you know the one. The one from Akira. I do know the one, and that made me infuriated because they <laughs> try to do the famous Akira slide, and they do it completely wrong. <laughs> Which is just like, motherfuckers, if you're going to put this shit in your movie, like, maybe take five minutes to watch the opening of Akira <laughs> instead of just having a gas. <laughs> so this uh, this Akira motorcycle is driven by uh, one of our other leads, Artemis. Spelled with a uh, three. Spelled, yes, of course. And uh, played by Olivia Cook. And uh, Artemis is like, they call her the sixer fixer. Because she's... Uh, she uh, like, repairs way to... things that have the number six in them. Like a six-cylinder engine or a six-foot boat. She took my four-pack and made it a six-pack. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, but she took my 12-pack and made it a six-pack, too, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, you you win some, you lose some. The fact's of life, buddy. It all comes out in the wash. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, during this race, a bunch of stuff happens. The T-Rex from Jurassic Park shows up. I cannot Uh, explain to you how fast I reached for my phone to check Twitter (laughs) as soon as any action sequence felt like it was going to (laughs) start. They are so... Uh, profoundly disinteresting yeah well they're like cutscenes from video games you're not playing and that's just a hard thing to give a shit about (laughs) yeah that's true uh uh, then of course king kong shows up 
Uh, and I will, let me say this about the King Kong. The King Kong looks rad as fuck. And I kind of wish the King Kong and Kong Skull Island in the MonsterVerse looked like this King Kong. Because this King Kong was like the perfect mix of like Big Man in Suit King Kong and Peter Jackson's actual Gorilla King Kong. Yeah. It's a good ass looking King Kong. But it's just, it, it's just there. And honestly, this movie should have been Donkey Kong. Right. Well, I I think uh, Happy Madison Productions owned the film rights to Donkey Kong so that uh, Adam Sandler could oh, do pixels. Right. So they could make that movie where Qbert fucks Josh Gad. Hell yeah! That's terrifying. <laughs> they have little Qbert babies. Let's never talk about this. Oh, you don't want to talk about the time that Josh Gad whipped his hog out and put it to fucking Qbert? <laughs> No, I don't. Just started pounding Qbert out. I definitely don't want <laughs> to talk about it. Goes down on Qbert. If it makes you feel fingering Qbert's big horn nose, just jamming it in there. If it makes you feel any better, in public, Qbert disguises itself as a sexy lady in a red dress. Which that's, that's just worse. Pauline. That's just Pauline from Donkey Kong. Why didn't you just make that character Pauline? You got the rights <laughs> to Donkey Kong. Because, John, it's funny that he fucks a Q-Bert. Q-Bert's swear. That's true. It is a little funny. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so the race ends basically with uh, Parzival uh, almost getting to the end, but coming to a dead stop because Kong is going to eat him. And then he fucking punches Artemis off of her motorcycle, which gets smashed by Kong to try and save her. She gets all mad. And then he's like, don't worry. My friend H is a fucking digital blacksmith he'll fix your fucking motorcycle <laughs> right. sure is god nothing in this movie makes any sense apparently h is a modder and so he can repair your mods and make new mods but like why wouldn't mods be totally fucking illegal in this global vr multiplayer game <laughs> where you can lose all your money <laughs> here's right. what kills me like so h is clearly like in-game wealthy Sure. Right? Or yeah. like, doing, like well. H is, doing well enough. Like H is building like fucking customs for all sorts of people. Uh, H is very she's... specifically building her own personal Iron Giant. Like that movie, The Iron Giant, the the, the Brad Bird movie, Iron Giant. Yeah. You guys ever see Iron Giant? You know all the feelings you have wrapped up in the movie Iron Giant? Well, place those onto the character of the Iron Giant and bring those feelings into this movie where another character has also seen the Iron Giant and they're building a version of the character, the Iron Giant, to be in this movie too. Oh man, I bet it's like we're friends. <laughs> full, dis full, full disclosure, I have, I have not seen the Iron Giant. But I have listened to Pete Townsend's concept album, The Iron Man. Ooh, oh, yeah, nice. where he goes up into space, but he can't breathe. Oh, no. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, H makes, like, customs for people. We see uh, she's, uh, or they they have made, because uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think that, that she is gendered as she, her, when you're talking to the like flesh and blood Helen. meat space person. Yes. I don't think that they ever code that character as like any non-binary or non-gender conforming. No, she I know. just I'm prefers just... to have a male presenting avatar. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it uh, disguises her voice to sound more masculine. Yeah. Which like, um, if you're going to do that, man, throw on a fucking Darth Vader mod. Come on. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, because yeah, if there's uh, one thing this movie needs more of, it's references to science fiction movies from the 80s. <laughs> True facts. 
So uh, yeah, they've made a uh, our, our, our H has made a Sulaco from Alien, a Battlestar Galactica, the ship from Silent Running, like all sorts of stuff. They're making an Iron Giant. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Parzival and Artemis are just like, oh, like I bet I know more about James Halliday than you do. Oh, and you're like, except Fuck that you. they don't, you don't say it in those ways. Artemis just starts throwing out fucking like James Holiday quotes like this is how you say hello. It is the yeah, most favorite... infuriating fucking nerd shit in the and planet. This is where, and this is where we find out that uh so James Halliday, the uh revered designer of the Oasis, who people treat as a goddamn living god who's now dead. Yeah, we'll see there is not literal... actually be a god though, and we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and so we definitely he, see that every scrap of his actual life has been painstakingly recreated and archived. And not only that, but people are familiar with this archive and spend a lot of time researching him so that they can get clues to his Easter egg hunt. This does not make any sense later in the movie where characters are surprised to learn things about him that are just in the archive. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the... <laughs> The thing, the the, the te- most terrifying thing you find out here is that James Halliday, yes, his favorite food is hot pockets, but his favorite restaurant is Chuck E. Cheese. Which fuck yeah. you, Chuck E. Cheese does not serve hot pockets. And also, if you are a grown ass sixty year old <laughs> man who who loves to eat at Chuck E. Cheese, guess what? You own a windowless van and you like to diddle kids. They, you are on a list somewhere. I was going to say, that they literally correct. won't let you into Chuck E. Cheese without a child. Yeah, exactly. James Halliday, where are you getting those children? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, Other rich guys was, he knows. And, like, the movie oh, passes no. it off as just, like, the movie... Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeffrey think- Epstein is alive in this future. Do you guys do you guys think James Halliday flew on the Lolita Express? <laughs> oh yeah, the records. That's why he fought so hard to keep those records classified, the flight <laughs> logs. James Halliday and Bill Clinton just They gave him they out. gave him a cool like code name though. Uh it was uh the Creepster. <laughs> <laughs> now I was short haired Brent Spiner from Independence Day. <laughs> Who is the actual actor that plays James Halliday? Because I think that this movie You know I looked it up but I didn't know him. Yeah. It's, um, it is Mark Rylance, who had, uh, I think just before this, was in Bridge of Spies for Steven Ooh, Spielberg. there we go. Steven Spielberg likes to, like, work with one actor, like, multiple times in a row, and then throw them in the garbage, Ooh. like he did with Tom Cruise. Yeah, tough break, Tommy. Whatever happened to that guy? Because I could see at least five more Mission Impossible movies after that first one. Make one of them terrible, please. <laughs> So he had a uh, a thing recently. I mean, this is a few weeks ago. We've been off for a while, uh, where he like screamed at everybody on the set of the new Mission Impossible movies for not social distancing and wearing masks, like not wearing masks. And it, when it came out, everyone was like, "You go, Tom Cruise. You tell those people to social distance and wear masks." And then like the next day, everyone was just like, "Oh, Tom Cruise doesn't give a shit about masks and social distancing. He cares because his money's in this movie, and you're messing with his paycheck." Yeah, but like I've <laughs> listened to the audio, and he does bring up a very good point of just like if this movie gets shut down, producers are not going to want to make any more movies right now, and that fucks with everybody's paycheck. Like, I also saw sure. people saying, like... I, I agree, but counterpoint, they shouldn't be making movies right now. Sure, <laughs> the government should be paying us to stay home because that should be our job. 
Third point, why does Tom Cruise need a paycheck? Uh, buddy, Scientology uh, cheap friend. Yeah. <laughs> How much of that money do you think Tom Cruise actually has? <laughs> Scientology gives him like 50 bucks a week, I bet, just so uh, we can get like groceries. That's silly Tom Cruise. That's, I mean, I guess he does have a lot of alimony payments out in the world too, right? Yeah, he's got like what, three ex-wives? <laughs> Something like that. Just, just the two. Oh no, I guess Mimi Rogers technically, yeah. but I don't I don't think he was married to Mimi Rogers long enough to like do alimony. Or he may not have had enough money at that time for her to have gotten. That's also oh, true. Because she's only true, got true, true. rights to the assets at the time yeah. of the marriage. Mm. And I can't imagine that Tom Cruise and his high powered Scientology lawyers let him get have to pay alimony to Nicole Kidman. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Once you follow the one true path and uh, are enlightened to our actual purpose on this earth, then, yeah, I can understand why good things happen to you. Let's move on from this topic. Yeah, why, you don't want to get sued. You don't want to get... You don't want to get further into the bridge to total freedom? <laughs> uh, buddy, I do, but I got to get uh, fucking clear of these Thetans. If I go into that room full of Thetans and try to cross that bridge... They'll, I don't know, knock me over, I guess. I don't really know how it works because I haven't gone through the OT training yet. And I won't be able to until I'm clean enough to be able to do it. So let's move on before I okay. I filthy my soul more. I don't That's know. Fair. This bit ran That's out fair. of gas a while ago and I apologize. Yeah, but Anyways. I agree with the assessment that you have a filthy soul. <laughs> That's true. I, black as a hole, black as your soul. I'd rather die than keep talking about this movie. But it's the hell we made for ourselves. It's true. And so you run the race backwards, and that's how you win. So anyways, they go to the Halliday uh, Journals, which is a live-action digital diorama museum where you can look at all the most intimate details of James Halliday's <laughs> life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they say that they specifically cultivated it from journal entries nanny cams and any piece of footage ever captured of james holiday which uh gross yeah yes he talked uh, a lot about masturbation at the top of this podcast no <laughs> yep. thank you so uh anyways they go they find this they they talk to like the the curator and he's like i'm a stiff english butler look at Here's me i'm thing. some sort of c3po if i even knew what that was bloop 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 uh, and anyways, Z comes away uh, uh, realizing uh, that the key to the race is to go backwards as fast as you can. And this fucking pissed me off again because he, he goes into, he sees a section of Holiday's life where he forces his best friend to relinquish control in the game company that they co-created. His best friend, played by Simon Pegg, who also does like a genuinely good performance in this movie. Yes. Like wholly uncalled for. Mm -hmm. Correct. But the clue that he discovers in that one is uh, once Simon Pegg fucks off, Holiday is by himself and he's just like, I wish we could go backwards. Why can't we go backwards? Just put the pedal to the metal and go backwards like Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted didn't time travel in a fucking car. <laughs> That's not Correct. what they did. <laughs> Although, to be fair, in the original screenplay for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it was a time traveling van. Sure. Windowless. Fuck you. It's a phone booth. <laughs> like how the movie Bill and Ted went, where they used a phone booth. Uh, John, we never see the bottom of that phone booth. There might be a gas pedal. That's true. We see it several times. <laughs> I will fight you. It's just, it's, it's so clear that this 
book and movie just like whatever was on the front page of Ain't It Cool News, they just read the headline and figured that that was enough information to move forward on whatever nerd bullshit well, they wanted to squeeze into their stupid a movie, movie. about 80s and 90s culture that is made by people from what, 60s, 50s culture? How old is Ernst Klein? Ernest Klein is like, he's like a millennial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Ernest Klein is a '80s nostalgist. Like his second book, Armada, is just Last Starfighter, <laughs> but worse. Yeah. Yikes. And like that's the thing is there's an interesting. This movie has kind of the chasing Amy problem where it's the wrong main character. If this was a movie more focused on Holiday and his disintegrating relationships, and then on top of that having to deal with being like a warshipped human who created something so pervasive that it dominated all of culture and enveloped people into this, like, tomb of nostalgia that prevents them from ever, like, moving forward with their lives. I'm sure Steven Spielberg has a lot of feelings about that specific thing. (laughs) Yeah. It would be fascinating to see him make a movie about. But again, it, it brings it up, and then it's just like, well, okay, but now we have to explain all the Easter eggs. Yeah, the problem with that, John, is that would would have required a second draft. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And again, like I cannot stress hard enough that uh the the main characters in this movie are not trying to get control of the oasis so that they can act sweeping social changes to bring everyone out of poverty. Right. They just don't want to have a no advertisements. Yeah. Well, that that's not true. Artemis definitely does want to do that. Like her thing is to uh like well, open she the just oasis doesn't for free. want uh, IOI to get she just is preventing IOI from getting it she doesn't ever have any like proactive here's what I would do that's true though she does right. say welcome motivation. to the rebellion as if they have goals but no it does appear they're just trying to prevent yeah. IOI from getting it <laughs> well to be fair Correct. IOI the company also has its own private security force that does extrajudicial murders yeah I actually was watching this movie and, and they also <laughs> have there are no cops in this universe and then we get to the last scene and I was like wait a minute well there are been? cops yeah there's there's four whole cops yeah. in Columbus Ohio. Uh, also also, uh, IOI runs forced slavery center or forced indentured servitude Get centers. Uh, the is the phrase you're looking for. Yeah, they're all indentured servants who yeah. they're free to go once they pay their debt. Right. Which again, like, fucking dig into that. Like yeah, that is that's the interesting the thing, <laughs> especially since I think we have that to an extent in uh, China where you can play harvesting gold and in warcraft and stuff at one yeah, time and then you put that gold up on ebay yeah 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 this movie has there's there's so many good ideas in the world of ready player one and unfortunately ready player one focuses on a fucking shithead 16 year old kid right yeah because everything is built in service of i like this movie you like this movie obviously you have to like this movie or else we can't be friends yeah and if you don't like this movie you don't like any of the things we're referencing Good. Which so, is a terrible anyway, thing to yeah, say he, he about fucking... my feelings for old school bags of Doritos. Correct. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Z... fucking Z decides like, oh, the way to get the key is in the race to drive backwards because no one can get past Donkey Kong. But the way you get past him is to not even race, which like, 
fuck you, how has no one discovered that yet? The right. first thing you do in a racing game is see if you can drive backwards. Right. Yeah, right? You back up over the finish line <laughs> and then drive forward to see if it counts as a lap. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, everybody is a big dum-dum in this movie. Yeah, for a movie that is all about finding Easter eggs in things, everybody in this movie is just like, oh, how do I find this Easter egg? I yeah. found it in literally 1,000 other things, but I can't <laughs> find it in real life. So yeah, he drives backwards, and it opens up a secret track underneath the racetrack where he can drive under Donkey Kong, and then he gets to what looks like Bethesda Park in New York, yeah. and like that's where Ghost Holiday is just like, congratulations, you got a key, you go up on the big board. Yeah, so Ghost Anorak, uh, yeah, Ghost Halliday, his avatar is Anorak the Wizard, uh, and he's got he's got like a nice gruff voice, and he's like, "Well, you did it, good boy. Here's your key." <laughs> I do and love the, that he's apparently Scrooge McDuck, according to your impression. I mean, it's pretty close. Yes, though. he's Scrooge McDuck without the Scottish accent. Absolutely. Uh, and when he is Halliday, he is now in the movie. They do not make this clear, but in the book, they are very specific that Halliday uh, is a uh, has a, a form of high functioning autism or Asperger's. Yeah. Um, in the movie, they just don't say anything about that period. And so if you just watch the movie without reading the book and knowing that going in, you're like, who is this and why guy? Is he spaced he out is- all the time. Yeah, is he yeah. just like on fucking drugs? Like, like I, I, he's like an acid casualty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the movie does nothing to like dissuade you from that point. Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt about um, it, knowing nothing about the book. I was like, that's a real weird guy they got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, he uh, Parzival wins the thing. He eventually, uh, uh, Artemis wins, and then he tells his friend, and H wins. And then there's two other characters named uh, Daito and uh, Show. Yes, Daito and Show, and uh, they are all, they form like a mini sort of like loosely connected uh, a, a gang, if you will. Yeah, they're, they're clan, like, I guess. which yeah. is hilarious because throughout the whole thing, uh, uh, Z keeps saying like. I'm not a joiner. I don't join things. I'm not going to join you, bad guy. I'm not going to join you, good guy. I'm my own person. What's that? Four other people? Let's form a unit that we join. (laughs) Let's have a cool name. We'll call ourselves the High Fives because there's five of us. High Five. Yeah, so uh, immediately uh, Parzival uh, Wade becomes like the hero of of the Oasis and gets like a hundred, like like a million coins yeah, and goes on a shopping spree. A crazy amount he, of coins and then uh, Artemis like pulls him out of a crowd and is like, you idiot, you're super famous, you need a disguise. Here's Clark Kent glasses and a suit. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll wear them. And then they maybe go through one door, and then they just rip it off, and he's never in those clothes again. And he will never be in any sort of incognito ever again out in public. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and she does so that he, as Goron from Mortal Kombat. As Goro, Goro from Mortal Kombat. With a and then, chest buster from the alien inside her. Like, it was just like... Chest that burster, burster, Patrick. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> Not only that, she uses the chest burster as scissors to cut open the Goro costume. Yeah. And it's just a hand puppet? Yeah. It's real, real something. <laughs> um... 
Also, let's point out that all the avatars in like most of this movie is just digitally animated, and I'm sure they did mocap stuff. But the avatars are these like weird plastic fiberglass people, uh, and they just like they they don't emote, they don't have weight to them, and I guess that makes sense because they're like computer characters. But I feel like this movie wasted a very good opportunity for all the avatars to look shittier like a playstation 2 cutscene, like a little blockier and a little you know yeah. what i mean like a warcraft kind of thing yeah it's not quite done effective enough for it to feel like you're in a specifically virtual space but it's also not shitty enough to feel like you're in a specifically virtual space it, it just it feels like attack of the clones where it's like i'm supposed to read these things as being real and physical but they're like whoopy goopy weightless bouncy boys Mm -hmm. everything is too smooth yeah yeah which doesn't feel like a choice yeah you know it it feels like well that's just what things in cg look like right now right i'm steven spielberg uh so anyways he buys a bunch of stuff uh he buys a thing called a zemeckis cube he buys the holy hand grenade from monty python and the holy grail and he buys a real life purchase of a brand new full body like haptic body kit that like makes you feel all the sensations that you do inside the oasis it's like you're and in it's a, a game and like it and like he pays for it and like it says real world pickup and then the next time you see him he's like in his abandoned van opening his putting box this thing on yeah by the way, we should point out here that Wade Watts, the human being in the real world, lives with his aunt and her stream of shithead uh, boyfriends who are like 90s, like Jerry Springer trailer trash people right. yeah. um, who like, t- like nobody likes this kid. They just are shitty to him. They make him sleep on running washers and dryers. <laughs> yeah. Like he's got an awful life in real life, which is like, I get it. That's why you escape to uh, uh, the Oasis. But, like, what's I, weird is we learn how Artemis lost her family. Yes. But we never learn anything about our main character's family. He literally all. just says, he's like, my dad died when I was 11, and then my mom died after yep. that. So he now seems I live to with- imply that it's part of the timeline of events that include the corn syrup shortage and <laughs> yeah. bandwidth riots. Yes. Which, again, that puts so much story weight on those stupid, stupid words. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, he's got all his shit now. He's uh, falling in love with Artemis. H is like, stop thinking with your dick. And he's like, fuck you. I'll do what I want. Oh, what I love is, so they get the next clue for the next uh, fucking key. And it's like, it's the leap I didn't take. It's the chance I never had. Uh, and they figure out like, oh, he's referencing the first date he had with the woman that his best friend would eventually marry, which like... Let's maybe tell that fucking story. No, I don't want to yeah. hear it. Let's not do it. Inst- instead, they're just like, oh, I figured out Halliday's greatest fear. It's kissing a girl. Yep. Right. Uh, so they decide like, okay, so let's go to the first thing Halliday ever designed was this dance hall, like this dance club, because his date wanted to go dancing, but he was too shy. So they saw a movie instead. So rather than tracking down that very easy-to-discover movie that they did do on their first date, let's go to the thing that happened way later in his life that's only sort of related to what we're talking about here. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, Ben Mendelsohn has got a a deal going with an evil gunter 
uh, named yep. Irock, played by sex criminal T.J. Miller. Uh, sex criminal and bomb threat enthusiast. Oh, oh you're that's right. That's a bummer. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, a lot of movies from the like mid 2010s are a real bummer. <laughs> so uh, uh, basically, Nolan Sorrento, who Ben Mendelsohn plays, uh, sends this Iraq guy out to bring in like powerful artifacts from the world of the Oasis. And the new artifact he have is the Orb of Asavax, which creates a giant impenetrable shield. It's a level 99 magic spell, blah, 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 blah. Just goofs. Yeah, uh, but then Ben Mendelsohn hires him specifically to find this this egg hunter who found the key so that they can try to, like, get him on their side. Or I mean, he, maybe he just sends kill him. him. To, yeah, it's he sends unclear. him to kill him. Yeah. But then later he makes him an offer that he can and does refuse. Right. Yeah. So uh, they go to this dance club before there's a cute little dress-up montage. Where Which part I of think the, the first thing that he wears, he's like trying on different costumes and one of them is clearly like a almost a purple rain prince costume the f- no the first one is legitimately purple rain from and prince. i got so angry i was like get that fucking name out of your mouth movie you do and not then, get to know about prince and then it's thriller right and then and then it's uh yeah thriller the thriller like thriller slash uh like beat it jacket slash uh, uh fucking eddie murphy's delirious yeah yeah um, and then he puts on a bunch of other things. He ends up wearing the fucking, uh, the Oh, it's great. He from... wears the suit from Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo and Banzai, H says, yeah. you're going to wear the main character's costume from your favorite movie. Oh, come on. Don't be that guy. And I wrote down on my phone, this whole fucking movie is that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Parzival is the kind of guy who would go see a band and wear a t-shirt of that band. Correct. I mean, what else did you buy? And then complain about how their for? new stuff isn't as good. To be fair, I never got that rule. Like, if I'm going to go see a band and I have a t-shirt about that band, I'm going to wear that right. t-shirt to go see the band. Wouldn't I wear my sports paraphernalia of the team to the team sport? Oh, Patrick, sports? don't be that you guy. Lost ah. You lost me with sports. Are you talking about the Huey Lewis and the News album sport? Yes. Because that's a great album. It is. You're not wrong. Uh, speaking of pretty okay music, we get another fucking super obvious 80s needle drop as we go to the dance club. And Artemis finds uh, Z and is just like, oh my god, Buckaroo Banzai? I love Buckaroo Banzai. You're wearing the costume from the film that I have seen and enjoy, Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> and I wrote in my phone, liking a movie is not a personality. Stop it. Oh, I think you're wrong about that one. <laughs> Yeah, John there's, a, John, there's a lot of Star Wars fans who would probably disagree. Yeah, hard, hard disagree. Uh, those fans are bad fans who uh, don't understand that Last Jedi fucking rules. John, you're gatekeeping. Correct. You're gatekeeping the bad Star Wars fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm just as bad as the Nazis. Yeah, you're right. You're a, you're a Star Wars fascist. Uh, yeah, which John's... is hilarious for so many reasons <laughs> I don't have time to get into right yeah. now. Uh, but yeah, so they decide like, oh, the leap he never took must be the leap into this like zero G dance floor because he never danced. Yes. So with that, um, we then do what Saturday Night Fever with the light up disco. Yes. Floor. And this was another part, again, that just absolutely infuriated me where they're playing. Uh, Stay in alive. alive. No, no. Before that, though, in the club, oh. they're playing uh, New Order. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then Wade is just like, oh, I can't dance to this. And he pulls out the BG, staying alive, and like throws it on the virtual jukebox. And Artemis is like, ooh, old school. The whole 
fucking thing is old right. school. Yeah, you're in 2045. <laughs> right? There's like he, maybe a six year difference between these songs. <laughs> he could put on a fucking Franz Ferdinand song and it would be old school. Also, again, go into the 70s for their references. Yeah. That, yeah, this is as far back as it goes as the 70s. And again, like, I would love for them to dig into this dystopia of like, because everybody is obsessed with finding this Easter egg and because all of the clues are specific to the pop culture obsessions of this one human being and because he loved the 80s so much, nothing is allowed to get beyond the purview of like this one man's very specific taste. That's a fascinating story that they just like. Yep. Yeah. So anyways, Iraq shows up. There's like a. And then the Sixers show up, and there's like a shootout. And uh, about 48 seconds into the shootout, uh, when it looks like uh, circumstances are dire, Z pulls out his Zemeckis cube, which is a Rubik's cube, which is not a thing that was featured in any Robert Zemeckis movie that I can think of, <laughs> unless it was somewhere in the uh, background of What Lies Beneath. Oh, buddy, and then I he- gotta, I gotta offer you a correction. Uh, there's a very famous Rubik's cube. It's in, uh, what was that? The snow Beowulf? movie did? Was no, it no. in Beowulf? The, the Christmas train movie. What was that? Uh, uh, Polar Express. Oh, Christmas Polar Express. Express. Holiday Express. Uh, Polar <laughs> Express. Polar yes, Express. yes, yes. Sorry. Uh, there's a very famous Rubik's Cube, which is about halfway through the movie when I stopped watching it and started playing with the Rubik's Cube instead. Oh, sure. It's you right got... after Aerosmith shows up as the, like, Santa elves. <laughs> is is that true? Is that a thing yes. that happens? That's I've a not thing seen that happens. It. I could not finish. I started that movie, but I could not look at those dead-eyed digital golems <laughs> for, for more than a couple minutes. I had to turn it off. <laughs> when they do their second song about how you should drink hot cocoa, I was like, I gotta tag out. This is <laughs> much uh so anyways he throws this rubik's cube it solves itself and it uh you go back in time uh 60 (laughs) seconds and then for a second i was like wait a minute this guy has a delorean in universe can that delorean movie can that delorean travel through time because if it has a zemeckis cube He could solve so many problems. Right. But also, like, that has to utterly break the whole programming of the Oasis because now the, like, in-game time is out of sync with the actual real experienced time of the players. And, like, how do you reconcile that? (laughs) Anyways, that's what the... (laughs) That's what the movie does. They just walk out the back door. They sure do. And it's infuriating because at this point, Wade is just like, hey, my real name is Wade Watts. I live in the stacks. Artemis, I love you. And she rightfully points out, like, you don't. You only see the parts of you that I specifically make a decision to show you. you. You can't love me. That's not the relationship we have with each other. And then the movie just utterly forgets about this they yeah, are she's, literally in love the next time they see each right. other well she's like she's like you wouldn't like you'd be disappointed i'm ugly and in the book the book spends so much time uh taking a character and like wade being like like she was a little fat but i like that like that's the whole book well, it's like the book, damn it. it's the, the, and the, book, the movie where they she call just her... turns out to have a port of wine birthmark on her face which is like literally no big deal that's like right. but again fine. in the but book in the she's book, they yeah. like 
they in order to make Wade like a like a an even more of a Mary Sue, they're like, yeah, she had a giant port of wine, Mark. But you know what? I didn't even really notice it that much. She's still beautiful to me. And it's just like, yeah, dude, it's a birthmark that's not a big deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, in, that in doesn't the book- make you heroic. <laughs> In the book, the they want to yeah, they want to make him seem like the coolest dude ever because he keeps referring to her as Rubenesque. <laughs> oh, oh God! Oh, it's and like the whole book, the whole book is basically Ernest Klein being like, "Yeah, I like a girl with a little meat on her bones." <laughs> like, just come out and say it, dude. I can you like only... to you like to jack off and you like thick girls. It's fine. <laughs> I can only imagine that this was something like uh, Grant Morrison will say sometimes that they write comic books specifically as an act of like chaos magic to make those things happen in their real lives. And I can only imagine that has to be what Ernst Klein did with this book. It is tip to toe his like real life wish fulfillment. <laughs> Two AT. Right. Yikes. Uh so he yeah, he fucks off. Then he gets like the thing from Nolan Sorrento who's like, come to my office, I gotta make you a big deal. And he goes there, and so this is my favorite scene of the movie. Uh oh, because God, I love it because Ben Mendelssohn cannot force himself to even care about anything that's going on. So, so one of the things they point out is that IOI has a team of Halliday scholars and all they do all day at work is wear lab coats and like look at shit that James Halliday liked and try to dig into all this stuff. So he brings Wade into like this digital like recreation of his office and to prove to Wade that, hey, I'm just like you. We're the same. He's got his goons in the other room feeding him references and he's like, passing them off he's like yeah when i'm tired i like to drink a tab and throw on some duran duran and like he's just so like shitty at it but like ben mendelson sells the fuck out of that scene it's awesome yeah i love it because the the desperation of ben mendelson the actor to want to just finish this day of shooting comes across as the character he's playing just like I am so tired of having to talk to you right now, kid. <laughs> yeah. I hate you so much. But yeah, he I, fails because like Wade can tell that he's not a real fan. He's getting these lines fed to him. No thank you to your well, the offer. Big, Everybody the hates big giveaway. Yeah, the big giveaway is that yeah, he's he a has fake his... geek girl that's just doing it for attention. <laughs> he's going to try to sell bath water later. <laughs> yeah. His big giveaway is that he has his password for the Oasis like on a half of a sticky note attached to his and chair. And his password is, is Bossman69. Yeah, it's Bossman69. <laughs> but Boss is spelled with a zero instead of an O. And two fives. Yeah. Two five. And two fives. And two fives. so good. Mm. Um, and that's where the immortal line comes from. Uh, what is it, John? You texted this to me earlier. Um, hold on. Give me a second. <laughs> it was so immortal, this line. Yeah, I mean, I, I am, I, I was, I was in a fugue state watching this movie of a perfect cocktail of annoyance and boredom. Oh, man. That yes. I literally cannot remember what I texted you. Uh, the line was, "A fanboy knows a hater." Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. And it's just like, Boy. oh, 
Fuck. First of all, no fanboy would ever refer to themselves as a fanboy anymore. It's not 1996. This isn't Walt and Steve Dave from fucking <laughs> from clerks. mall rats and shit. All right. Yeah. We are not in the viewers universe. Please stop. Man, I got to say, though, I applaud both the book and the movie's restraint not to just have Kevin Smith. That's true. Although in the book, they very clearly point out that Will Wheaton is the president. <laughs> the elected president. Yes. Yeah. The, the fair and elected president. <laughs> yeah, he didn't seize power from a coup instigated by the bandwidth riots. Yeah. Well, he, he defeated Devin Sawa in the primaries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Werner Herzog and was running the general on a election, real progressive yeah. uh, platform, but they were worried that he would be unelectable. Yeah, of course. Well, in the general election, it was Will Wheaton versus the Dolphin from Sequest. (laughs) (laughs) Supreme Court Justice R2-D2 had to lay down the law about what would and wouldn't count as an early mail-in vote. Dissenting opinion written by Alf. (laughs) I think we just wrote Ready Player Three. Guys, we're getting close. Patrick, I don't mean to drop this on you out of nowhere, but you do know that there is a sequel to this book called Ready Player Two. Yes, I I was looking at the Wikipedia for this book after I watched it, and I saw both the quote from Ernest Klein saying, yeah, I mean, if it does pretty good, I'll write another one. And then he wrote another one and published it, what, like November 2020? And on the same day that it was published, it was also optioned through Warner Brothers. To make a movie, Yeah. yeah. What I love is there's a there's an episode of Tim Heidecker, Greg Turkington's web show on cinema at the cinema. And on the day that this came out, they did a review of Ready Player One. And Greg Turkington is just like, I think it's very clever that this is the first movie. This will go down in the Guinness Book of Records is the first movie to have one in the title before there were sequels. You can do (laughs) Ready Player Two and Player Three and so on. And like. Boy, I am tired of living in a Tim and Eric bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, John, today's the day, a uh, little behind the scenes, we're recording as the House of Representatives are voting on impeachment of our war criminal president. Yeah, the, that's the real beef house, if you ask me. Yeah. But let's not yeah. do anything about it. <laughs> let's definitely... Uh, in the interest Patrick, of healing... We need, we need unity right yeah. now, Patrick. Unity. Plus, we might make those people mad. We might. That's true. And then we're really no better than they. Exactly. Uh, anyway, where are we in this fucking movie? Oh, yeah, we're about to hit The Shining for no reason. Yeah, we find out that they then go look up what movie he probably watched, and with the mm-hmm. clue, they're like, The Shining! A movie from oh, the 70s. They go back to the archives, and this is another point that just infuriated me, where, again, everybody in this universe is obsessed specifically with James Holiday and his entire life start to finish. And they're watching a, like, segment of his life where James Holiday is talking to uh, to his best friend, saying, like, I had a date with this girl, but I don't know. I don't think it really went very well. And in that... Uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character is like an intern for the games company that they're working at. And Artemis is just like, no way. Hold the phone. The most famous villain in our real world was an intern for the most famous godhead in our real world. (laughs) I never knew this before. And then later they're just like, 
uh, James Holiday like gives a name of the woman that he went on a date with, and she's like, "No way! <laughs> That's the woman that goes on to marry his best friend." <laughs> and like, this is just publicly available knowledge. How do you not? I, I what? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so they decide that okay, the challenge is they have to go to see. They have to go to the world of the movie that they watch, which happens to be The Shining. Don't you and mean I will the shinning? The shinning. I don't. No, copyright. Uh, you strict, man. Shinning. I will say this. <laughs> the recreation of the Overlook looks great. And, like, they do a really good job of, like, kind of matching the film grain from it. And at first you're like, oh, cool. They're in The Shining. Oh, there's the two little girls. Oh, you're in room 237. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch The Shining. I love The Shining. Oh, wait then, a minute. I have to watch these assholes watch yeah, The Shining. The minute the minute the elevator doors open and the, the pool of blood starts to pour off and, like, H gets sucked into it. And then all of a sudden it turns into, like, there's, like, the woman in the bathtub. And she's like, he's like, oh, hey, sexy She becomes, lady. like, a giant zombie with A knives. giant zombie with a fucking hatchet. <laughs> Like, and then yeah. he's in the then, maze, yeah. well off the rails her and stuff. It's real weird. Yeah, and then eventually it turns out that oh, the challenge wasn't in The Shining; it was to dance with this lady from the haunted mansion that is inside the Overlook <laughs> Hotel. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, uh, the the woman is dancing in this like weightless space uh, with a bunch of zombies, and they say specifically like, "Oh, those are the zombies from James Holloway's first released video game," and I thoroughly enjoyed the like it's a living attitude yeah. all the zombies have <laughs> yeah she jumps on the one zombie and's like hey sorry don't bother me i'm just going over there and the zombie's like uh, <laughs> all right that seems reasonable uh so anyways they find out that you just have to dance with this lady and you get the key now in the book the second challenge i will point this out uh is you have to go to the world of zork and find yeah, and the you 19 19- Play Zork. Yeah, you find the 19 artifacts of Zork and bring them back. And then that opens, gives you a key to open a gate where you have to go under a waterfall and play Rush's 2012 Overture underneath a fucking waterfall. <laughs> and then you get a fucking the star from the Rush album and that's your, like, your next big thing. Wow. And um, here's the thing. I, I obviously, yes, the first thing you do in adapting this to a movie is get rid of all that shit and make it like actual movie stuff. Correct. But I would have given Steven Spielberg a thousand Oscars if it was literally just like, all right, now for the next challenge. And he sits down and he fires up DOS box and you just have like an over the shoulder shot of him just north, enter, north, enter, south, enter. Oh, damn it. I got eaten by a Gru. Restart, enter, west, enter. Pick up cup. I do not understand command. Take cup. I do not understand command. Give cup. You have cup. If it was all shot like in real time and you're just following this one day where he's just playing all these dumb video games. Oh. Um. So yeah, they they win that. And then it turns out that, oh, the bad guys have discovered the third uh, challenge. And it's just an Atari 2600 on thin ice. And you just fall into the ice if you fucking lose. So the weird uh, thing is, yeah, it's a game that's on thin ice where the whole point is to not break the ice. You don't break the ice. But weirdly enough, the game you have to play, don't wake daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's his fun little twist. 
so yeah, meanwhile, uh, IOI is actively trying to uh, murder more people. They blow, because Wade said no to his offer, he straight up blows up the stacks uh, and kills hundreds. Yeah. Um, then Wade is taken in by uh, Artemis and they joined the resistance. And then, yeah, he finds out she's got a little bit of a birthmark and he's like, I'm not disappointed. You're hot. And she's like, Ugh, don't lie to me. People have lied to me my whole life. Yeah. And it's just like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Just what? Blah, blah, blah. IOI okay. has a fucking strike force that then gets deployed upon their warehouse. <laughs> And I love the the leader of this strike force who's in charge of their, like, war department, I think they literally call it. And she's just like, they're just kids. You want to take the gun and kill them? No. Then let me do my job. <laughs> uh, yeah, and she is played by uh, Hannah John Kamen, who plays uh, Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm. Oh, yeah. I didn't put yeah. that together. Um, it turns so- out the real Easter eggs were the Marvel movies we had along the way. Yep. Uh, so anyways, a bunch of bullshit happens and Artemis gets taken prisoner by IOI and she has to uh, get put into one of their slavery, I mean loyalty centers, to work off some kind of debt that she has. Yeah, yeah they uh, say that like her parents' debt has been compounded and transferred onto her, so she needs yes. to work it off, which again... That's a much more interesting movie. Yeah. Yeah. And IOI is now, uh, they're on planet Doom, which is like the, like, violent planet. It's like the war planet. And they are, IOI is setting explosive charges uh, in the lead up to the castle on castle, on, on planet Doom, which, like, couldn't they have made it one of, like, the cool, like, just make that fucking, like, Orthanc or Snake Mountain or, or something. Like, yeah, or like make it the castle from Castlevania or yeah, something right? like recognizable or interesting. Not just a fucking bullshit castle. And there don't seem to be any like rooms or anything no. in this castle. It seems to just be like uh, a facade to hide the like Atari console that's on the thin ice, which like. Yes. Also, it's established that this is one of the most, uh, like, lucrative places to be in the Oasis, because if you shoot someone and kill them, you get all their stuff and all their money. How has no one noticed this fucking Atari cabinet? Right. Like, it's right there, dude. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, IOI's plan is to uh, use the Orb of Ossifax and surround this castle and the Atari cabinet with this Ooh, impenetrable do... force field. I love uh, IROC is just like, I got the orb. I put it on the pedestal. And Ben Mendelsohn is like, is there like a button or a remote or something? It's like, nah, you got to see the magic words. Do you want to do the honors? And he just walks away. (laughs) (laughs) It is the best part of the movie. It is just, I'm not going to say your fucking nerd bullshit. Goodbye. Uh, So, yeah. So now it's up to... Uh, Wade and H who meets up with them in real life and also uh, Daito and Sho and turns out that like was it Sho is like fucking 11, 11 years yeah. old or something like yeah he's, he's short round basically he's straight he up a short walking round. reference to short round which uh, I have very conflicted feelings about <laughs> yeah so they have this plan to break out 
uh, uh, Artemis, uh, whose real name is Samantha, out of the loyalty center by when uh, Nolan Sorrento leaves Planet Doom through his like weird uh, fucking teleport tube. They are actually going to intercept him and keep him in the Oasis in a mock-up of his office. And it yeah, works- so that he thinks he's in reality, but they're actually in like a little Oasis VR room. Yes, and which uh, is legitimately g- pretty clever. Sure. Yes. Uh, in in the book, it's actually Wade who was brought into the loyalty center uh, and has to, like, fight his way out. So uh, they do this whole thing, and he it almost works. They, like, hold him hostage. He does manage to tell them how to get Samantha out of the loyalty center, but then he realizes what's going on, and he escapes uh, his thing. And then she's supposed to leave, and then she's like, no, I have to stay here. And then she takes over one of the Sixers, uniforms and then she blows up the thing and so there's no more force field and she also says you have to raise an army and they're like an army and she's like yeah think of all the fucking bullshit references you can and get those people (laughs) yeah right and he's like okay and then and then freddy's there this is a fucking like this is the saint crispin's day speech of just like rousing his forces and the best he can muster up is like uh, isn't everything kind of fine the way it is? And, and, and don't we really like nothing ever changing? And like, uh, music is neat, right? First to the egg, first to the key or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is another very infuriating part where a whole army of people log into the planet and start rushing the castle. Uh, and Wade holds up a boombox, like in that movie, Say Anything. Uh, except except the song one. is playing is we're not going to take it because we're big boys and we decide when bedtime is now. Yikes. Right. Uh, one of the, and, and this is where just like, there's like, you know, Master Chief and Halo guys there. There's a Freddy. There's Jesus, a it is Chucky. such, this whole movie, anytime there's a crowd of people, it's always like just fucking, you Googled, popular shit online enter yeah. and you took the first 10,000 results. It's a wave yeah. of trademarks. Uh, so they have a big fight. Nolan Sorrento doesn't want this to happen. The thing gets blown up by, from this the is, inside by Samantha. Yeah. Who this is where the DeLorean the dies. Through a drone. This is where the yeah, DeLorean, the DeLorean dies and there's a sad music of, Oh no. Uh, this is where all of the individual people of the High Five are, like, put into peril. But, yes. like, it doesn't matter because they can just log back in. Yeah, it's okay. They just right. lose their credits, which, like, you're about to get the Easter egg. Credits are meaningless. Right. So, uh, uh, Nolan Sorrento comes onto the battlefield with his, like, giant robot, which is Mechagodzilla. Except yeah. it is not Mechagodzilla. <laughs> Correct. There are, like, weird pipes just protruding out of it. Like, it's, like, fucking KMFDM-designed a Godzilla. Yeah, and the arms are way too long. It's got, like, giant, like, gorilla arms that are longer than its body. And, like, nobody says, oh, my God, it's Mechagodzilla. So, yes, again, they do. I think, oh, they, they absolutely do? do. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I missed also, that part. you get a it start, view it, through it forms, uh, his visor, yeah. and it has Mechagodzilla at and the top of the And it says Mechagodzilla. Oh, okay. I was going to say, maybe it's like a weird, like, serial numbers filed off version of yeah. Godzilla. Because I know that in the book they use Ultraman instead of Iron Giant. Yeah. Uh, and they couldn't get the rights to it. Because, uh, what is it, Tatsunoko that owns the no. rights to Ultraman was just like, no, <laughs> fuck off. 
Get out of here with your dumb. They movie. also use uh they also use Leopardon, which is the robot from Spider Man, the Japanese Spider Man show. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the book. Very irritating. Uh, in the uh, movie, though, Iron Giant fights Mega Godzilla until Iron Giant almost gets fucked up. Which then, is like the whole fucking point of the Iron Giant is that he's not a weapon. Like, oh, are you sure, John? What are because you doing? he's literally shining giant blue radiation beams at people <laughs> out of in this his movie. eyeballs. Yeah, I was wondering if that was something I had forgotten. <laughs> um, and then uh, what happened? Oh, that's right. And then then uh, fucking Daito, Daito Daito goes Gundam. Yeah, Firefly yeah. shows up and he's just like, I'll activate my Gundam that for some reason I can only have for five minutes. And like the an artifact to, like, they talk about earlier. Yeah, they, they like try to make some like dramatic meat of it. But again, like, okay, he just has to like wait for his 30 second cooldown and then just log back in. Right. It is, please stop trying to get me to care about these fights. I simply refuse to. <laughs> no Meanwhile, actual stakes. The- yeah. <laughs> Eventually, they defeat fucking Nolan Sorrento. He gets fucking shot. He turns into coins. Blah, blah, blah. They break into the place. They've realized that the game to play is Adventure, a game for With Atari. the very first Easter egg. Correct. Now, in the book, the challenge is much stupider. Oh, they God, play so stupid. In the book, uh, let me see here if I can. I, I've got it right here. Oh, my phone just rebooted. That's weird. Anyways, the challenge is they have to play a different Atari game. It's like Tomb of Daggerath or Dungeons of Daggerath or something. And then you go through the gate and you have to do the same challenge they did in the first challenge. But instead of war games, they have to play King Arthur and Monty Python and the Holy Grail and get all the quotes right. Oh, my God. And the book. And the <laughs> book. so insufferable. Patrick, I, Patrick, I shit you not when I say the book dedicates like almost two full pages to him just being like, then I went to the scene of Castle Anthrax <laughs> and I was just like this. And then, oh, uh. strange women and lying in ponds do not a gum, blah, blah, blah. It's well, and fucking I love, insufferable. In the, in the book, there's also a lot of lines of like, I'll bet a lot of people think they remember the line being this, but me, a genius, <laughs> I know the line is oh actually my God. this. Uh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the, the whole movie should just be him fucking jacking off with a fucking My Pet Monster. That's what <laughs> the book is. It's him just whacking it with a Gargamel, for God's sake. I, so in, in real world, uh, the fucking war department has tracked down the van that Wade is, like, hooked up to the Oasis through. And they are literally trying to ram it off the road to kill children. And I love and it. And I want to remind I you, so much. when John says war department, we mean the war department of a corporation. Of IOI. Because right Correct. now, there has been no government even spoken of in this film. Very Correct. true. Yes. Uh, um, so, so Wade they, gets to the adventure device. He fucking, he's like, he gives this big speech that everyone listens to. And he's like, it's all, it's not about winning the game. It's about playing the game. Oh, look, I found the Easter egg. Oh, here's the wizard again. Now, oh. I, genu- I genuinely enjoyed this piece of like very Spielbergian uh, tension added where because he's trying to be rammed off the road in real life, he keeps just falling down in the yes. oasis. Yeah. And yeah. His, he can't like grab the last key because he keeps getting thrown down. Yeah, he and can't I love the, get the it holiday, in the game. The holiday uh, like avatar characters is like, are, are you sure you even really want it? <laughs> yeah. Because... 
This is taking a really long time. He eventually, uh, yeah, because what happens is, like, the wizard's like, sign my contract. And he's like, this isn't right. There should be no rules. And he's like, ah, you got me. It's even worse than that. He realizes, oh, my God, this is an exact replica of the pen. And this is an exact replica of the contract that you had your best friend sign. So I know that this is a test. So I know that the correct answer is to say no, which, like... There's a reason Willy Wonka doesn't tell the children they're being tested. This is not him, like, showing that he's pure of heart. It's just him saying, like, but I know all the references. Bleh. But it's not pure of so, heart. It's, uh, it's the depth of his knowledge is what it is. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, he eventually takes the key. He gets knocked around a bit, opens the gate, and it takes him to uh, James Halliday's uh, childhood home where he Which, creepily stares yeah. at a younger version of himself playing a game. And I love it because he like Wade like looks at the child holiday and old man holiday is just like, oh, that's just me from the past. I like having him around sometimes. And the the little boy looks at Wade like fucking omen. Right. In yeah. the movie <laughs> Omen. And then uh, I just think he- Silently looks at turns him. back to his video game. Like, like, he looks at him like, please save me, dude. This right. old man won't let me leave. <laughs> but like, again, if this was like, if this was another director or if the movie were actually building up to a better ending, this would be where Wade discovers like, oh, this is very wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah. You are... You are literally keeping your childhood a prisoner with yourself, and that is preventing you from moving on. Because, yeah, it turns out this holiday is not a program, is not an avatar, it's just him? But he's also yeah, he put dead, his... so he's God, John. James Holiday <laughs> has become God. Uh, yeah, he, he is He is the father, the son, and the holy programmer. Right. I yes. mean, that was like a whole Just thing like, happening in this movie about how we feel about the tech titans. And the answer to the question of what about evil technology is have better tech titans. Ooh, you know, you joke about that, but Wade's jean jacket literally has a sword that is a cross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no. Yeah. God, I hate, I really hope there's not a day when I like log into like Amazon and Jeff Bezos just appears before me. Uh, oh, he's gonna. It's like, hey, it's me, Jeff Bezos, and here's tiny baby Bezos. <laughs> Don't mind him. He's just playing Breakout over here. I just like to watch him every now and then. Mm. Hey, here's a button that'll turn off all of Amazon. I'm Jeff Bezos. Yeah, the thing in Holiday's room is there's a button that Wade can press that will shut off the Oasis and then activate a computer virus to delete all of the data. And you're like, oh, obviously that's the lesson he's going to learn is like, we need to stop being obsessed with this program. Let's all break out and return to reality. Especially because James Holiday is just like, reality is the only thing that's real. It, you know, I was more comfortable in the Oasis but it didn't give me the satisfaction of like having a real life. Anyway, yeah, un- and don't make any that, changes to the oasis. Bye. He's also still stumbling around. Uh, they can't like let this joke go. Eventually, he gets through. He fucking leaves. Halliday's like, "You did it. You're the winner." Blah blah blah. We go back to the real world. Fucking Nolan Sorrento shows up to the stacks to start shooting people in the face. But all the people of the stacks come out and they're like, we know what you did. We hate you. Uh, Uh, Hang on, sir. You did a 9-11 to us like yesterday. 
you don't get to just come here. But what's really funny is people in that income bracket generally would have walked up to him and go, how will we serve you, master? Would you like us to do an armed insurrection on the Capitol for you, sir? Ooh, those boots need licking because they look delicious. Uh, and so, yeah, this is where the four police and all of Columbus show up to arrest him. Yeah. And then uh, Simon Pegg shows up and has his, like, genuinely good performance uh, as Og Ogden Morrow, the guy who uh, co-created the Oasis. Yeah. And, and this is where I, again, call bullshit on this movie because uh, it turns out that he was the, like, fussy robot butler in the Holiday uh, archives. Mm-hmm. And he's like... I could have helped you cheat because there was nothing in the rules that said I wasn't allowed to, like, help people. But you figured it all all on your own, Wade. You figured out that my dead wife was the key. And Wade is like, actually, no, you were the key. No, he fucking wasn't. What are you talking <laughs> well, I mean, about? That's the one thing is he says, you know, you were you you did it without me. But of course, and we might have skipped this part. Uh, without the quarter of the extra life that he gives Wade, Wade dies with everybody else in the cataclysm. That's right. There's a cataclysm yeah. bomb that wipes out all of the people on the planet Doom, but he has an extra life that the guy gave him earlier. Who gives a shit? Fuck this movie. Yeah, it's a mess of a movie. <laughs> the fact of the matter is he walks off of this thing with a team of lawyers, and they're just like, guess what? You own fucking Chocolate Factory now. And, and he's like, I did a thing that was unpopular. I close it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. He's now the richest man in history with trillions upon trillions of dollars and owns this uh, incredibly important platform that everybody's a part of. And the thing he does in the epilogue to make the world a better place is shut it down on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The fact that people live in trailers stacked on trailers, eh, maybe later. Yeah, Yeah, because reality is the only place that's real. real. You know, you know, John... Don't forget. Let me ask you this. You know. Yeah. Why not? Well, I do know. Why not have the days off be the fucking weekend? That's when people <laughs> want to go out and do stuff. The weekend. Right? Jesus. Or again, there appears to be absolutely no economy outside of the little bleeps and bloops and one. It's like Bitcoin took over. Yeah. yeah. But there are like, cops. Maybe establish in a like maybe establish a real world economy. Right. Yeah. But there are cops, and that guy we see we talked about in the very beginning is like working in an office that he decides to kill yeah. himself from. Yeah. Uh, it just boy. Howdy. I have no idea how this world what a, works. What a horrible movie. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's the end of Ready Player One. Credits. Yeah. Uh, like insert credits, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ends with uh, Hollow Notes, you're making my dreams, and then fucking... Oh, I could whatever. not get... As soon as it faded to black, I stopped the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I that's, simply could not tolerate it any longer. Uh, so that is the end of Ready Player One, and that's going to take us to bullet points. Pew pew. Pew pew. Bullet points! And our very first bullet point is body count. Body counts. Patrick, what do you think the body count of Ready Player One is? I'm going to set you some rules. Literally anything in the movie that appears to die counts as a death oh well now that's a lot because otherwise the answer is yeah i was gonna say it's the answer is oh i guess the aunt and uncle definitely die if you're counting off-screen deaths because two sets of parents die oh i guess that'd be six six, because his shitty aunt and his shitty aunt boyfriend yeah seemed to be the only two in that stack that exploded yeah Uh 
I mean, who else uh, may have lived there? We don't know. Uh, but anyways, anybody that died, I'm going to go yeah, with. Inclu- like, we're including avatars, robots, the whole. Deal. Everybody that burst into coins, I'm going to go with a good like. Uh, I'm going to go like a thousand. Okay, all right, John. What do you think the body count of Ready Player One is? Uh, so I'm going to say 10,000. And I also just now realized that there were avatars of the avatars from Avatar. This movie gets 9,000 stars. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the answer, uh, according to a video I saw on YouTube, 707. Ooh, that feels you both low because a whole planet gets exploded. A whole planet. Yeah. Alderaan happens in this movie. <laughs> and 9-11. <laughs> Uh, so that's going to take us to our next bullet point. Best kill. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. Best kill! <laughs> John, what's the best kill from Ready Player One? Jeez, I'm trying to decide between that one time that that guy turned into coins or that other time that other different guy <laughs> turned into coins. Uh, I'm going to say... My time, my precious limited time <laughs> on this spherical orb that we all inhabit together. That's Fair. the best kill. <laughs> Patrick, best kill. I guess I'll go with when Show throws that weird ninja star at IROC and cuts his arm off. Uh, actually, <laughs> Patrick, that is the star boomerang from Krull. Oh, boy. Yeah, you should know better than to call anything by a generic name. Everything is name brand. Yeah. There is no photocopying. There is only Xerox. <laughs> uh, Mark, best kill. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for uh, when Artemis like jumps up on top of the Iron Giant and shoots the eye out of Mechagodzilla. And then shoots Nolan Sorrento in his fucking ship. And unlike everybody else who just disappears into coins, coins start like popping out of him like popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he like turns red and blows up. Uh, it's kind of uh, almost like um, Jason Schwartzman at the end of uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. yeah Where he's yeah. like coughing up coins and stuff well, like And that. I was going to bring this up of just like, I don't understand why they made this movie when we had a perfectly good Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I don't understand why Edgar Wright didn't get to make this movie. Because he already made a perfectly good Scott Pilgrim <laughs> versus the world. That's fair. Uh, so that's going to take us to our third point. See, it's just you joke about someone else directing this. I do think Spielberg is obviously the choice from oh, a studio perspective. But... Uh, have you read the interview of Werner Herzog where someone tells him about the video game Pokemon Go? Yes. And he's upset that they it. don't fight. Well, he's just like, I don't understand when they meet in real life. Is there blood? Does they fight? Uh, he's French in my... He's a snooty French waiter yeah, of in course, the course fair. of this of interview. Course. But I would have fucking loved his take on this material. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we just get a de-aged Nicolas Cage playing... Fucking Parzival. <laughs> in fact, Nicolas Cage in mocap plays all the characters. Yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, yeah, he's like Tom Hanks again in Polar Express, where he yep. just plays everyone. Uh, so that's good Shoot him again. Two. His soul is still <laughs> dancing. Uh, our third bullet point war crimes. Ooh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> I got plenty of those. War crimes. Patrick, you seem so eager. War crimes? 
an internet company having a strike force with <laughs> drones that can deploy bombs and drones for surveillance. That is fair. Uh, J- John War Crimes? Well, now, the corn syrup shortage, that was an act of God. Of course. So you can't really blame that on anyone. But I'm going to say the bandwidth riots, you know? I think there are some people at fault riling up that crowd. I mean, what if it was the people who were hogging up all the bandwidth, John? Did you think of that? Uh, No, and neither did anyone working on this book or movie. No, no, I'm sure they didn't. Uh, Mark, war crimes. Uh, My war crimes is... All the songs that they could have used but did not, <laughs> no including Total Eclipse of the Heart, Living on a Prayer, <laughs> Come on Eileen, Walk Like an Egyptian, All Night Long by Lionel Richie, uh, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner, Need You Tonight by NXS, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper, uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham, Don't You Want Me, The Human League, Pour Some Sugar on Me, Hungry Like the Wolf, They Did Play That One, Never Mind, Walk This Way by Run DMC and Aerosmith, Down Under by Men at Work, Here I Go Again, White Snake fucking just like heaven the cure no love shack no don't stop believing no betty davis eyes this movie is a failure in these betty davis eyes go to hell yeah so real quick when you say total eclipse is that the klaus nomi version no it's the fucking bonnie tyler total eclipse of the heart why would i listen to any other version of that song Because Klaus Nomi is a weird plastic man with a very high voice. That's, you couldn't pay me to listen to that horse shit, John. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to metal machine music before I listen to Klaus Nomi. Ooh, ouch, ouch. Oh, oh, no, no, thank hey, you. And the metal machines shit. have a lot to express. You know what? I'll listen to that weird Metallica Lou Reed album based on Edgar Allan Poe. Now, shit, that for I'll listen to Klaus. That Nobody. I will not do. I will listen to. I will listen to those two Smashing Pumpkins albums that they just gave away free on the internet before I listen to any more Klaus Nomi. Hey, you got what you paid for. That's true. That's true. Uh, two two albums though for free. Free. Uh, anyway, I don't know if you saw the big news, but Billy Corgan got his gish guitar back. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Booty loaded too. It was just in his basement, but he brought it back for the new album he's recording. Uh, I thought Rob Thomas beat him up and took it. Uh, final bullet point. Is this an action movie? Is this an action movie? John, is Ready Player One an action movie? Let me respond to your question with a question (laughs) that will illuminate my answer. Is the creature that Dr. Frankenstein gave life to a human being? Mm. I'm going to say yes, he is. Okay. Then by that principle, this being a movie made entirely of other movies, yes, it's an action movie. All right. Patrick, is Ready Player One an action movie? Now, it's it's a very deeply hateful action movie <laughs> that accidentally throws a little girl into a lake and is afraid of fire and begs its creator to please give its life meaning before it dies. But yeah, I guess it is an action yeah. movie. His creator was too busy having sex with his sister. <laughs> and then fucked off to the Atlantic. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> you know what? This might be a controversial opinion, but I don't care. 
2021, no more bullshit. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Dr. Victor Frankenstein, bad parent. Oh, buddy, <laughs> buddy. I got bad news. There's going to be so much bullshit this year. Oh, no. But I specifically wished on the fucking New Year's Eve ball that there would be no more bullshit. Oh, oh. Patrick, yeah. Patrick, is this an action movie? Uh, I'm going to have to go with yes, because, but only in the most technical sense. They're technically action scenes, but since they're not, there's no one can ever actually be hurt. It's like it has none of the stakes of an action movie. And that's even mm. within itself. It's not even like an animated action movie that just is a movie that's animated. This is people's avatars, and that's just not the same. Fair. Mark, yeah. is this an action movie? Uh, yeah, I think it is an action movie, uh, but only in the technical sense. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what this movie is. I don't know who it's fucking for. Oh, man, no kidding. Um, but, like, well, it made a lot of money. Like, yeah, this movie is like a really well-made delivery box where it's just <laughs> like, yeah, I have no complaints. It got my item to me very safely. It looks like incredibly high craftsmanship. Whoever put this together put a lot of thought into its construction, but uh, like I can still see Mark. I don't have an yeah, emotional I... response to this in any way. Yep, we didn't catch any of that because you froze on our end. But it'll be it'll be on the recording. Oh, wow. oh good. <laughs> I was gonna say, Mark, when you actually get my GarageBand files, you're in for a treat. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so yeah, time for final reviews of Ready Player One, Patrick. Uh, I don't want it anymore. I, I actually play video <laughs> games and grew up in the 80s and 90s, so I felt like this movie should be for me, but all it ever did was irritate the crap out of me. And I don't know, I, that leads me to wonder what you said. Who the fuck was this actually for? Fucking nerds. John! <laughs> uh, well, as a fucking Yeah, John's nerd, a fucking nerd, uh, you'll know. Well, and here's the thing. It's just like, I think that I am also not the audience for this movie because especially in the last like five to eight years ish of my life, I have like, I thoroughly enjoy Star Wars. I, I thoroughly enjoy science fiction. I thoroughly enjoy owning pieces of plastic that are molded into the shape and color of things I like from movies, television and comic books. <laughs> but I am almost at the point of rejecting the idea of like loving these things or being a fan of these things because the relationship between thing and fan is so like toxic and gross right now like oh god uh my hot take seems to have blown patrick out of his window oh no <laughs> bye patrick we'll miss you but just generally speaking, uh, I don't like using, like, I don't like saying I love Rick and Morty because there's so much toxicity around that. I don't say I love Star Wars because there's so much toxicity around it now. There is this gross relationship of, like, a faceless corporation trying to make forever movies. And in order to do that, having to get you to invest your whole personality into being a fan of the movie that they are making. And it's just like, I just hate it. It just, it it's so, it's like wearing a sweater made of cockroaches. It just feels so gross and bad. 
Uh, so my final review of the movie Ready Player One, four out of ten. <laughs> yeah, fair. Mark, final review of Ready Player One. Uh, as a person who has a lot of uh, uh, admiration and 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 warm fuzzy feelings for the pop culture of the eighties, that's where I grew up with. That's when I came of age with. Uh, this movie infuriates me in a way that few other movies and books have ever done. Uh, mostly by a its surface level dumb bullshit, and it's especially the book, which really sour. I feel like if I hadn't read the book, I'd enjoy the movie so much more. Uh, but the book really soured me on everything in this because it stands for everything wrong in the world of fandom because the whole book is just like I like this thing. I bet you didn't even know what it is, yeah. idiot. Yeah, it's and that I thing just, in high school of like, oh, you say, like, I like movies. Uh, you say you like movies, but you've never seen Jackie Brown, so you can't call yourself a movie fan. <laughs> exactly. It's all that fucking horseshit that we were all guilty of back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, so this movie reminds me too much of myself when I was a youngster, and therefore it gets a big fat no. <laughs> Uh, so that's gonna do it for this episode of Body Counts and Beer I am Mark Rosenthal I am Patrick Bromley I am still Jonathan Rooney Taylor and we will see you next time pew pew go outside make a friend (laughs) oh god no actually don't do either of those things right now now is not the time not even on Tuesdays and Thursdays oh god you know what I retract everything I said perfect movie you you get a vaccine and then you make a friend (laughs) and make sure you get both doses goddamn. yeah no kidding and so does your friend indestructible (laughs) Body Counts of Beer is Patrick Bromley John Rooney Taylor and Mark Rosenthal please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Stitcher wherever you get podcasts from we're probably there leave us a rating leave us a review you can email us at bodycountsofbeer at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at bodycountcast